So, so Pastor John asked me if I'd speak because he's up at man camp and doing his thing. I was like, yeah, it sounds great. You know, I, you know, I got it, no problem. Woo. And then, so I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, what am I going to speak on? So I was thinking, I was thinking, and I had like a bunch of little ideas, but nothing of real depth. And, uh, it was kind of a bummer because Sunday kept coming. I'm like, okay, what do you have for me? And then the one idea that I did have, I started on it and I realized I was, I was manipulating the text. I was changing it because I had my idea of what I wanted to say. And that's not really what it was saying. <laughs> and uh, when, when I encounter that, when I'm, you know, watching somebody else speak or something like that, that drives me crazy because I think the Bible can speak for itself. So I had to stop and erase it and start over. So here I am. And uh, here it is. So in college, I took like a handful of classes. So um, I should go back about every year and a half. I'm like, I, I should go get my degree. And I'm at like year and three months right now. So I'm like, dude, I got to go back. You know, it's a good idea. Whatever. But I realized that the classes I enjoyed the most were my philosophy classes. Um, not music, you would think. You know, I, I dig music. But not those classes. It was the philosophy classes that got my mind going, that got me most excited about what was going on. And, uh, and I took a logic class, which isn't really about logic. It like, uh, teaches you how to argue. Which, which was a disservice for me because now when I speak, I see all the holes in what I'm saying. So I always have to correct myself and whatnot. So that was frustrating. But I took this intro to philosophy class, and it was great. It was probably the best teacher I've ever had. He was a rad dude. He, uh, he was into, like, riding motorcycles and stuff, so he was rad. Anyway, so in this philosophy class, we're basically taught that there's two ideas of, of human existence. And... Um, the first would be that we are all physical. Bam. Everything is physical. Right? So that would say there's nothing spiritual. There is, there is no spiritual realm. The only way I know I'm touching this is because I'm touching it. Right? It's here because I'm touching it. There's nothing of like a, like this like Luffy kind of thought, you know? It's all physical. There's, there's nothing else out there. So when I die... I die, I go in the ground, I become warm, fo- warm food, you know, I do my thing. And, uh, and that's it. Life is only contained to this 60 or whatever years we're supposed to live. And that's it. So, in the beginning of my philosophy class, you know, you read the first page of the book, and it says, now abandon everything you've ever learned before. You know, because we're going to teach it to you in this class. Okay, whatever. And at this point, I had already come to the understanding that I'd already kind of not figured things out, but I was pretty secure in, in what I believed. So I read this, and I'm like, that's lame, that's not it. So what's option number two, you know, because that's the one I'm probably going to believe. That's probably going to be the one that I'm down with. So then the converse would be that everything is spiritual. Bam, it's there. Everything is spiritual, right? So, of course, that means that there's no physical. The only way I'm, I'm touching this is because my brain is telling me I'm touching it. So I'm not really touching it. Okay, we're just a bunch of floating ideas. So there, there's no physical, there's, there's just like this, like, uh, just a spiritual realm, and, and, and my truth is my truth, and your truth is your truth, and, and there's, there's nothing concrete. So then I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't, I'm not down with that either. That doesn't make any sense, because I know when I get hit by a car, I get hit by a car, and that's no good, right? So, so I was looking for hidden number C, which would be that we're both. We're both physical and spiritual. 
get it. Hidden number C. Right. See, um, but the thing is that, that philosophers have a problem with this because they say, how can this physical impact the spiritual? How does it work? It's like, uh, there's this gland in your brain that does it. That's what they say. And you're like, okay, that doesn't really answer the question. And then their, their second answer is, it just does. The physical and the spiritual, they just work together. There's no real answer. And to me, that's really cool. Because I think as, as humans, we, we tend to um, always want to answer everything. That's why we have theology. That's why we have, you know, all of our philosophies and stuff. It's because we're trying to find out the answer, which is great. But the moment that we say, I don't know, it takes us down a step and lets God do his thing. We're able to say, God, you have mysteries. God, we don't know. So I think that's really cool that we really don't know how our physical affects the spiritual. But it does. Um, here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. There's a lot of commas in that sentence. And it's weird whenever like, you, uh, you put a... Uh, a scripture into word and it gives you like it's misspelled or there's bad grammar you're like it's the bible what are you doing but there's a lot of commas there anyway generally the scripture is used to talk about worship right this is your spiritual act of worship is trying to define what worship is and we're not going to get into my opinion on worship or whatever we're going to basically stick with this idea that it says offer your bodies as you know your your spiritual sacrifice there's a physical and there's a spiritual realm here. And Paul understands that. He understands that, hey, your physical actions affect the spiritual realm. What we do here in our bodies affects this kingdom of heaven, right? And here when he's talking about the physical, he's not speaking about the sinful part. Because generally we say, you know, my flesh. You know, it's bad. You know, my, my sinful desires. And, and it's always referring to our physical actions and our physical desires and our physical needs. And it's not always cut and dry like that. We, we, we tend to try to say, well, you know, all the spiritual stuff is great and all the physical stuff in us, that's nah, not so great. We tend to do that. But see here, saying, no, offer your bodies. This is your spiritual act of worship. It, it goes hand in hand. And I think that's great. And I'm really excited because we end up having like this like superpower, right? We're able to, to use our bodies and affect the spiritual realm. See, if I had a su- superpower, it would be that I could close my eyes and see through someone else's eyes. That'd be cool. I just think it would. Kips, he, he wished that he could have telekinesis, you know, so he could like play video games, open the door, do homework, whatever. I, I don't know. So, but how about, hey, your physical actions here on earth affect the spiritual realm. Here's something really interesting, or I think it's interesting. In the Hebrew language, there's no word for the word spiritual. So if one was to go up to Jesus and say, you know, how's your spiritual life? He'd be like, what? I I don't get it. What are you talking about? Not because he didn't understand the words that were coming out of your mouth, and not because he's like, I'm Jesus. My spiritual life is great. <laughs> it's because he's saying, what do you mean my spiritual life? Don't you just mean my life? My, my life is my spiritual life. 
this, this idea of, of our spiritual life and our, and our physical life is completely foreign to the early church and to Jesus. I mean, I guess he understands it because it's all-knowing and whatnot. But, but we, we can't separate it. We can't separate the two things because we're this beautiful car wreck between the physical and the spiritual just jamming together. We're 100% spiritual, 100% physical. Now, that doesn't make sense math terms, but that's because God's crazy. He doesn't care about our rules in, in math. He says, no, you're all. You're all spiritual. You're all this. In the first Peter, uh, nope, where am I? Colossians, this side of the page. In Colossians 3.17, says, whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, the Father, through him. See, in word or deed, in, in, in speech or in action, in thought or in action, in, in this, this spiritual realm or, or in this, this physical acting, see, they're, they're understanding that it's all connected. There's no, this is my spiritual side, this is my physical side, you know, this is my bad side, you know, and, and I just got to pray this many times a day and I'm legit. It's not like that. But the, the interesting thing is, is if, if one of us was to uh, go ask him, somebody, you know, you know, how's your spiritual life? You know, are, are you spiritual? Are you a spiritual person? They would answer anywhere between like uh, with negativity or uncertainty. Like, you don't have the right to ask me those questions. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, are you asking me if I go to church? I mean, I, I don't know. Or the other side of the spectrum is like uh, determination or like, heck yes. Heck yes, I'm spiritual. Right? And, and it's interesting because it's a trick question. We don't know we're asking a trick question, but it is. The question should be, are you human? then yes, you're spiritual. Because we are made 100% spiritual, 100% physical. The real question we need to be asking is, are we aware of how our physical affects the spiritual? Are we aware of our superpower that we've been given? If, you know when you ask somebody, you know, how's life going? And they go, uh, you know, work and, and, you know, can't pay for the car. You know, that says volumes about their spiritual life without them even saying something about their spiritual life. Now, I understand that whenever someone, you know, how are you doing? Oh, man, you know, I'm really struggling with God or, you know, God's great. I mean, there, there's, there's certain people that I'm not going to tell that to. So I'm not saying that, well, now we always have to say spiritual stuff when we're asked how we're doing, you know. That's not the point. But the point is, is our little actions, they say volumes about where we are spiritually. Everything about our physical actions and our physical life says stuff about our, uh, our spiritual. Our finances, our sexuality, reconciliation, forgiveness, driving, hobbies, etc. They all have this impact on this kingdom of God. And it's crazy. And it blows me away. Um, I think one of the reasons that we compartmentalize, why we say, you know, this is this part of my life and this is my spiritual life and whatnot is because as soon as we do all the spiritual things, you know, we, uh, we read a Bible, we, we prayed, I went to church, I went to a small group, I did this. This part of my life is taken care of, and now this part of my life, I can do whatever I want. This part of my life's mine. It's my, it's, it's my life, you know. I took care of my spiritual life for God, you know, did His thing. And now I've got my life, you know, so I can do A, B, or C, or 1, 2, or 3, or whatever. Fill in your own blanks, you know. And, uh, and that's not cool. It's, it's, it's all combined. I wonder if you would say the word combound. 
it's all compound. No, um, it's, it's all mushed together. It's, it's all intertwined. And those things that we're going to do, praying, reading, it's going to affect our, our physical. Um, uh, Casey and I are in a small group, and uh, one of the things that Daniel and Romy stress is you got to pray together, you got to pray together, you got to pray together. So we're like, we should probably start praying together. And the things we're praying for might not be happening, but I guarantee you, our, our relationship grows stronger and stronger because of it. So maybe we're praying for, you know, direction or, or for sickness or not for sickness, but for someone's sickness. And, uh, and we're praying for that. And maybe God's like, I'm just stoked you're praying together. Here's pushing you together, you know. Anyway, Casey and I, there's a lot of stories about her and I. We're, we're walking at Disneyland because we have passes and that's what we do because it's, it's actually cheaper to go to Disneyland than it is to go to a movie. Um, and we're walking, we're walking behind this group of like five or six people. And there's one guy and five girls, so he knows what's up. <laughs> He's right there. And, uh, and he was kind of nerdy looking, like he was like in band or drama or something. And uh, that's cool because I was in band and I like drama. So we can make fun of our own kind all we want. But no, he, he, you know, but he's walking with these, with these like five girls or whatever. And he bends over and picks up this piece of trash and throws it away. And I'm like, that guy's awesome. Right? Because, you know, you would expect that if you drop your own piece of trash, you pick it up, you throw it away. You would just expect that. And if not, whatever. And there's people that don't and you see them. They're called litter bugs. And, uh, but then here's this guy at Disneyland picking up someone else's trash and throwing it away. They pay people to do that. But he sees the need. He's just, I'm just pick up this trash. It would be like if you were to go to like some fancy restaurant and then someone else left, like some other table they left, and you bust their table, clean it up. <laughs> so then their server just came by and was like, sweet. You know, like, like this guy went above and beyond. And, and I wanted to desperately say, man, you're awesome. But I didn't. And we'll get into that why I didn't. But, uh, but he was so rad. And I was like, dude, those girls, they're missing out if they're not with that guy, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Like, it's, it's these little things that, that say, say tremendous things about our spirituality. How we treat people. How we're going to treat the person at, at Carl's after we leave church. How do, how do we treat the people that are serving us? Because we're, we're may, hopefully giving them a glimpse of heaven. And we're, we're able to to do this miraculous thing. Um, but it also, how we act and treat people and how we view ourselves, it also affects the spiritual realm in a negative way. Right? It's not always positive. It's not always like, you know, I did this and this and this, so the spiritual realm is great. But like, we can do things that are pretty lame. For example, <laughs> um, I wouldn't call myself a prideful person. I wouldn't say that pride runs my life. C.S. Lewis would say, as soon as you say that, you should watch out because pride's right there. Um, so, so I had to look deeper and I had to look into, you know, really, am I? Am I, am I a proud person? And uh, I had to take this test at work about my understanding of driving vehicles and the weight limits and, and whatnot, what we're allowed to have. And, uh, and I knew that if I didn't get 100% on this test, I'd have to retake it. But then there's a question that pops up that says, Something along the lines of, uh, you know, how fast should you drive in the company vehicle? You know, so number A or A says, uh, you know, posted speed limit. 
B is like as fast as you want. C is, you know, don't drive the vehicles. And, and D would be uh, the flow of traffic. Now I'm thinking they want A, but A is not right. The test is wrong. It's D because, see, when I'm in rush hour traffic in, in L.A., I can't go the posted speed limit flow of traffic, right? So, of course, I get it wrong. And, and I'm like, man, why do I think I'm smarter than this test? Or another example, <laughs> in driving school, both these have to do with driving. I'm an excellent driver. I just don't take tests very well. Uh, this, the, the question was, if, you're, if your hood pops up and you're in this particular model, is it a problem while you're driving? And this particular model was one that opens up backwards, right? So it's a really hard to work on, but it's not going to pop up while you're driving. So he wants you to put no because it's impossible. But the question was, is it a problem? Yeah, it's a problem. Because at this point, we're in some universe where the laws of physics don't apply. And I'm driving 65 miles an hour with a hood in my way. Problem. And I get it wrong. And, and, and what I'm getting at is, is how come I view myself as, as always being right in this particular case? That I'm smarter than the test. It's like, humble yourself. Okay, just mark what you know the answer is supposed to be. Just, just get it, get it right. You know, don't be an idiot. And, and it's it's really interesting. It's, it's these small things that are going to say huge things about our our character and about our spiritual life, and and how we're affecting the spiritual realm. It's these little things. Um, in First Peter one thirteen, he says, "Therefore, prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled." Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. It's not just enough to be aware of our actions. Okay, we, we can do these things. We, you know, we have this superpower. We can, we can affect the spiritual realm, which is awesome. But now with that, with that ability, with that power, with that, with that gusto, I guess, we, we need to do something with it. We're, we're accountable to it. So Peter says... Therefore, prepare your mind for action. He says, prepare your mind for action. He says, it's a commandment. Prepare yourself. Hey, you do it. When you wake up, when I wake up in the morning, be prepared. Be prepared to do something. It's an action to do something, not to be prepared to contemplate me. Be prepared to debate me vigorously to protesters on the street. He's saying, no, be prepared to do something. To live out this ability that I've given you. Um, there's this movie called Land of the Blind. Pretty cool. Um, and it's all whatever. But at one point, this, this prisoner or this guard is speaking to this prisoner. And, uh, and he's like a, a political dude. And this, this guard says, you know, you've killed so many innocent bystanders. You know, like how can you say you're like this, this revolutionary? How can you say you're good? You're killing these innocent bystanders. And his response is, anyone standing by is not innocent. See, we've been given this ability, and when we stand by and do nothing, we're doing a disservice to this kingdom of heaven up here. Not down here. Kingdom of the world. We're doing a disservice. Um, Almost every time I drive on the freeway and I see someone broken down on the side of the road, I go, man, I should probably stop and help them. I'm um, too far. Can't reverse on the freeway. You missed your window. 
right? And, and the reason that it's so dear to me is because I used to drive a bug, and it would break down often. Not all the time, but often enough that it was pretty frustrating that you wouldn't go on long trips, you know. You, I got tired of towing it from the beach to my house, you know, that's pretty lame. And, and I would be pulled over on the side of the road with my deck lid open, waiting for AAA, or they didn't have AAA, so just waiting for someone to maybe help me fix it so I can get it home. And no one would stop, and I'm just like judging every person that goes by. <laughs> then let's see, I'm in, I'm in need. You know, they should go to church more. They should learn about uh, the prodigal, no, the other one. The Good Samaritan, that one. There's like four Bible stories. You just get mixed up. Anyway, but then I don't stop either. And I just pass them and I'm like, dang it. But see, if I was prepared, if I was driving going, yeah, when I see that guy, oh, it clicks, pull over, help him. You know, maybe he needs a cell phone, AAA, whatever. I don't know. And I'm not recommending that you always pull over because I do have a really good friend who his sister died pulling over, they got in an accident. So it's kind of dangerous, or pretty dangerous. Um, but this is just for me in particular. What am I prepared to do? Am I, am I prepared to act as soon as I see the option? Um, once I was driving to pick Casey up from work, and there was this lady on the side of the, the off-ramp selling flowers, and usually I do this one, because you feel guilty for not buying the flowers. But I was like, I should buy flowers, make her happy, and then I can give my flowers to my wife, and I didn't even have to get out of the car. That's awesome, right? And it was awesome. It, I totally was able to, to affect our, our marriage in a positive light by just being prepared, by not just turning on my automatic, don't buy flowers from you, I just go pick you up, we go do whatever. But I was able to see this opportunity. I was able to say, hey, yeah, you probably need to sell your flowers. I'll buy some flowers from you, and I'll give them to my wife. Um... But we just need to be prepared. We need to be aware of what we have, this, this, this great ability that God has given us, and be ready to use it. And not just sit by, you know, being innocent bystanders. Now, we are this, uh, this mesh, this car wreck, right, of the physical and the spiritual. But we can deny either side of us, right? And there's this pendulum that swings. That swings from, you know, I'm all physical. And then it swings all the way over to I'm all spiritual and all I do is pray and fast and stuff like that. And see, the thing is, is when, when, we're, when we're all physical, we're, we're neglecting our spiritual side. We become animals. And when it switches over to the, the other side, we lose our physical and we become angels. Now, this is not doctrinal. This is, this is just an analogy. So the things I'm going to say about animals and, and angels isn't biblical, but it's just to prove this point, right? So the, the thing is, is that we are created to be humans. So we could be angels or animals or angels, but we are meant to be human. We're supposed to be this, this, this combined crush of, of this physical and the spiritual. Um, so we're going to go over why it's lame to be an animal, because it's pretty lame to be an animal. Um, and the way I got most of these analogies was I, I, I just got a dog. Pretty awesome. Would you zoom in on that? Look at that face. That's a good face. He's a good dog. Okay. Anyway, back to why it's lame to be an animal. See, I, I've realized that um, 
there's like a connection between me and, and Duke as there would be between God and me. Only God and me are infinitely larger. I get to watch him learn and, you know, when I say, hey, come, and he comes, it's like, this is rad. This dog is amazing, right? And, and God goes, hey, go do that. And I go do that, and I'm sure God's like, sweet, right? And, and infinitely larger, right? But, but I'm seeing these, these, these parallels between it, as I'm sure you do in, in being a parent. I don't know, um, but I do with a dog a little bit. Um, but anyway, so I'm seeing all these like animal things that he does because he's a dog. And uh, the first one is he overindulges in everything. Everything. You give him food, and he will eat until it looks like he has a bowling ball in his stomach. And he will drink until he throws up or pees inside all the time. He just overindulges. And when we neglect our spiritual side of our life, we overindulge. We take too much of everything. Um, Casey and I, we want a trip to Vegas. Woo, Vegas, right? And we, we hated it. We, we left. We had two free nights, and uh, we left after the first day. Um, because it's, it's, it's over the top on everything. You can't just have a billboard, right? You need to have a moving, lighting up billboard with sound. Everything is over the top. There's, there's, there's a lot, and it's, you know, tons of money being spent. Tons of everything just bombarding you, saying, hey, this is what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Woo, right? And it's, it's overindulged. There, when we neglect our spiritual side, we're going to overindulge like that. Um, the next one would be that he has no big picture. Even though that is a pretty big picture. No, I'm sorry. Uh, that was a really bad joke. Uh, when, I, when I open the door and I leave for the day, he just watches me leave. He doesn't realize I'm going to work. He has no concept of Garden Grove. He has no concept of, of California or America or the world. He has our house. Even when we drive him to the park, he's just like, I'm in some room and things are going and the wind is going and then I'm in this other room, you know? He has no idea of this, of this, of this bigger picture. And when we neglect our, physical, our spiritual side, we're not in tune with what God has given us. He's saying, hey, there's a bigger picture. You're in touch. You are on this, this mission for this bigger picture, this, this, this godly vision. And when we neglect that part, we're just lone soldiers just trying to get through life. We're just, you know, trying to get from day to day without understanding, man, no, I'm in this for God. I've got this, this whole thing going for me. I've got this bigger picture that I'm a part of, and you're not as lonely anymore because you're, you're part of a community. You're part of, of something bigger. And when we neglect it, we have no idea. We don't even know there's a bigger. Like, if I, if I were try to try to explain the concept of, you know, the next-door neighbor or something to the dog, for one, he can't understand me. But for two, what do you mean? There, there's a bigger? What are you talking about? It's like if I was blind and you tried to explain darkness. It's just normal, right? Or sight. You're like, no, got nothing. There's no bigger picture. Um, the next one, you pee inside. Yeah, they pee inside. That is frustrating. And see, the dog does that, and you're like, gosh, if you would just go outside like I'm training you, then you could roll around and play in here and not roll in your own filth. 
But see, we're so into, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I am who I am. I'm going to do it however I want to. God wants me to act a certain way. No, I'm just going to do it my way. And we don't realize that it's bad. But then when we get a glimpse of all of our filth outside, and then we get to do our thing inside, it's like, whoa, it doesn't smell anymore. That's great. God's plan is definitely greater than mine. At that point, when, when we neglect that spiritual side, I'm getting really confused, by the way, because I've said that word like 400 times. When we neglect that spiritual side, we just do what we do. Just do whatever I want. And God's like, no, I've got a plan for you. I've created you to work this way. You go out there, and then inside we can play, and I can throw you the bone, and you can run, and you don't get in your own filth. Which leads to the next point, which is everything is done, or only instinct. I've got him different. He only relies on instinct, which is cool sometimes. You know, like when I watch him sniff, you're like, that's cool. I never taught him to sniff things. He just does. And, and uh, we've got friends who have bassets, and they all lay the same. It's great. They like sprawl out on their back, and you're like, that's so cute. I'll scratch your belly, right? But they just do it. There's just their instinct. And we have instinct too. In baseball, they teach you to catch the ball in front of your face because your body is more likely to stop it from hitting you in the face. But I'm like, catch it over here. Don't get hit in the face. But uh, so our, our instinct can be good. You know, it keeps us alive and whatnot. But the whole idea of instinct is look out for number one. Look out for myself. I'm just going to do what works for me. I'm going to make sure that I get mine, that I, you know, eat when I need to, that I'm taken care of before I do anything else for anybody else which leads into, they're pretty selfish. Animals are pretty selfish. Not dogs, though, they're awesome. Cats, selfish. But <laughs> I'll throw all the dogs a bone. So, so there's three dogs, they all have a bone. Duke, he's not happy. Oh, his name's Duke, by the way. I don't know if I said that. Duke's happy. Then he grabs each bone from the other dogs. And then the other dogs will take his bone, so they all have a bone again. He's not having any of it. He wants all the bones. He doesn't want his bone. He wants the other person's bone. And we're so much like that. We're like, man, my job's lame. I want someone else's job. I want to be that. I want to do that. And what if that spiritual side ran into it? They met in the middle. And it said, man, my bone's rad. You should taste my bone. Gives him my bone. The other dog goes, yeah, my bone's rad too. You should taste my bone. And they're switching off. And they're, and they're working in community like that. And, and from my point of view, I'm like, dogs, it's just a stinking bone. And God's like, dude, it's just a stinking job. And I'm like, huh, interesting. Right? They, they fight over this. And, and what if we, we were always in the idea of, of community, everybody else? When we meet in the spiritual, physical part, we understand this. We understand, yeah, look out for your brother. Look out for your sister. I'm not number one. I'm number three, right? God, others, yourself. Number three. So that's, that's, that's the animal side. Now it switch, switches to the angel side because you're like, oh, I can't do any of those things. I've got to go all the way over, only spiritual. I'm going all the way. Now again, this isn't doctrinally correct on angels. You'll see in my first point. Um, because they're invisible. Now they're not all invisible, Right? They do talk to people, and people do see them. So just hear me out. Angels are awesome, 
and they have giant fiery swords and big wingspans. Super cool. But if you're invisible, no one can see it. So we might be super prepared with our understanding of Scripture, understanding of theology. You know, we might pray all the time. We might be super in tune with our spiritual life. But we're invisible. We don't relate with people. We can't, we can't even start to show them how cool our fiery sword is because we, we don't understand this, this, this animal side of us, this physical side. We're all here on the spiritual going, fiery sword, wingspan, right? And, and we need to be able to relate. We need to be able to um, understand both sides. The other is uh, there's no real contact. When we're angels, we're doing our angel thing, right? Whatever that may be. We don't know, but it'd be pretty cool. There's no real contact. We're called to reach out to other humans, other people. We're not called to be all high and mighty, like they say, uh, what is that? You're too heavenly bound for any earthly good, or whatever that phrase is. We're too much into making sure we have all the spiritual things taken care of, that we're, we're neglecting the contact that we're supposed to have. We're neglecting the community that we're created to have. This one's awesome. Actually, when I came up with this point, I had to call someone because I thought it was really funny. Uh, uh, you speak like a donkey. They talk like donkeys. See, in Numbers chapter 22, um, this dude's riding his donkey, Balaam, and uh, this donkey sees an angel who's invisible, point one. Right? He was invisible. The guy can't see him. So the donkey like veers off the side of the road. He beats his donkey like three times to finally where it says, the Lord opened his mouth. The Lord opened the donkey's mouth. Now, I don't know if that means that God opened his mouth and the angel spoke through him or the angel opened his mouth or God spoke through. doesn't matter. And that's not really the point. That's just where I'm getting my reference. Is that when we speak like donkeys, we're all into our spiritual stuff. And when we try to have our contact, when we try to relate with people, we're like, you know, were you bought by the blood of the only Son, risen Lord Jesus Christ, blood, angel stuff? That's all we say. And they're like, you talk like a donkey. I, I'm not, I'm not, you're, you're, just a, you're just an idiot. And, and there's no relating. We're so into our Christianese, you know, so into like, you know, I'm so spiritual. I'm so, you know, I don't need any of my physical stuff. Yeah, you know. Count it all as loss, yeah. That we don't know how to relate, we don't know how to speak to the lost, to the people that we're trying to reach out to. We just sound like a bunch of donkeys. And you're like, that was no use. So now you're invisible, you talk like a donkey, and you can't show them your cool sword. And that's not a place to be. Now this is actually probably the, the strongest point of it, would be uh, the idea of moving mountains versus love. See, at this point, we're so spiritual. The angels have hung out with God, right? They do their secret handshake and whatnot. And they understand. They're like, I've seen him. I've watched him do his thing, right? They're, they're right there. They have so much faith that they can move a mountain. There's been times in my life where there's no doubt in my mind that God exists. There's no doubt in my mind you cannot argue or prove any way that he doesn't exist. Even if you can, I'm not going to believe it because I've experienced him. I've experienced a work in my life that only he could do. Thank you. But are we neglecting the love part? You know, I might have faith that can move a mountain, but I don't know a thing about love. You know, the Bible says, 
I'm supposed to give all our possessions away, give it to the poor. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to, you know, help out the downtrodden. But I can do all those things without love. God says, no, I want your heart. He says, you might have all this faith. You might be this angel with all this great ammunition, with all this great stuff to impact the kingdom. You might be doing awesome, but you don't know a thing about love. You're like, wow, I don't. And a lot of times, I don't. I'm just going through the motions, doing what I think I'm supposed to do because, you know, I've read enough scripture, I've been taught enough stuff. We don't know a thing about love. Here's the cool part, is we are created to be humans. So we're going to go over why it's awesome to be an A-human. Right? It was angel, animal, A-human. That's how we are designed. We weren't designed to be angels. Cool, we don't have to do that. We weren't designed to be animals. Cool, we don't have to do that. We're designed to be humans. We're designed to have both the physical and the spiritual. It's kind of like your car when you drive it. You fill it with gas. You don't fill it with sugar. So when we're acting in this way, when, when we're understanding that we're combined, combined, combined when, when, we're, when we're mushed together, when we're understanding how the physical and the spiritual relate and how we do these things, we're able to run on gasoline. And when we're trying to run on just our physical or when we're trying to run on just our spiritual, we're running on sugar. Right, sugar, you guys, thanks, bad for it. Got to be right in the middle. And then here is the coolest part, and I've already said it, is that we are meant to reach out to other humans. We weren't meant to reach out to animals or to angels. We were meant to reach out to other humans. And what better way than acting like one? If an angel was like, hey dude, I think you're supposed to do this. I'd be like, what do you know? You're an angel. You don't know what it's like to have this body. And if this dog was to talk to me, I'd be like, that's cool, I got this talking dog. You know, I mean, he knows nothing about the spiritual side. He's not understanding this, this relationship with God where he's, where he's calling me to a higher level. But as humans, we do. And when we can live in a way that shows that, people will see it. They, they, they'll say, or hopefully they'll say something along the lines of, man, what's different about that guy? And some people would say, well, it's Jesus, which is cool. But what, what about if it's, man, he just understands that how we are created. He understands what it means to be human. He understands how to live this life that we're all running around like chickens with a head cut off. We have no idea. But then there's this glimmer of this person that's like, nah, physical, spiritual, it's how you act. Got these, this arsenal to affect this kingdom that you might know nothing about or know tons about, whatever. I'm just, this is how I live. And I think that's super attractive. I think that is how we are going to impact this kingdom down here for the kingdom up here. We are in the-